2: Welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident old fart, Jim Schaefer, and the podcast, at least to me, is the new tech. I hope this finds you well and you're having a great week. Okay, coming to you from the studios of the Factual Data Creations Facility, as usual, Oh, are you going to rush out and get the jab? Oh. Now that you'll have to get a vaccine passport to go along with it? They really want you to get that shot. Farewell, T-Vision. We hardly knew ye. Maybe you bet on sports. Sports betting podcasts are exploding. And rest in peace, G. Gordon. I enjoyed your radio show and it was a sad day. When you are retired. Well, we'll start off with the usual tech news. First up from the Hill.com, Former Google executive launches left-leaning tech coalition, reads the headline. One Adam Kovacevich, who's a former Google public policy head, has formed the Chamber of Progress, which includes Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Google, and all the rest of the usual suspects. The only one I see missing here is Apple, but hey, it's early days. Mr. Kovacevich says that the tech industry's political honeymoon is over, and his newly founded organization will help make sure that tech's future will be as progressive as its past. Sounds really promising, doesn't it? No. He goes on to describe the coalition as center-left. Well, I guess that would be true if you consider Stalin as being at the center. As the article went on, Mr. Kovacevich dropped all the progressive buzzwords while defending our big tech overlords. He also went on to say that his group will be defenders of safe and secure, now wait for it, win win marketplaces online. Now, where have we heard the term win win before? Hmm, I wonder. China. The founders should rename this organization to the Front for the Liberation of the American People from their democracy and privacy. Just saying. Well, T-Mobile is betting big on Google's Android services. RCS, YouTube TV, Pixel, and more, reads the headline from TheVerge.com. Big Magenta is really closing up to the Big G. This kind of makes sense as T-Mobile was the carrier that debuted the first Android phone, the HTC G1, or Dream as it was known outside of the U.S. More importantly, in my opinion anyway, T-Mobile was willing to give people with no or not so good credit an account. That was very important in those days. Even I was barely able to get a cell phone account. That was because, unknown to me, my identity had been stolen. But that's another story. My son was just starting out in life and took advantage of this. His G1 was my first look at Android. Both Google and T-Mobile state that Magenta's network has the most Android phones on on it of all the carriers in the U.S. Google's implementation of the Rich Communication Services Protocol is end-to-end encrypted and has the best shot at being universally adopted. I've seen it in action and it works great. It will probably emerge as the main challenger to Apple's iMessage. Like iMessages to the iPhone, I think Google Messages will be to Android phones, at least in this country. The partnership with T-Mobile will see Google's RCS-enabled Messages app to become standard on all Android phones that Magenta stores sell now, not just the Pixel phones they'll be featuring. Well, I guess OnePlus won't be the brand they push the most any longer. Another benefit to the partnership is that T-Mobile will adopt Google's one cloud storage for all the Android phones it sells also. This is much better than what any other carriers offer now. T-Mobile has even dropped its recently launched T-Vision live streaming service and will offer YouTube TV instead. At the basic tier, they will offer Philo. I feel this is a good move for both Google and T-Mobile. Both companies have a lot to gain here. The winds hack. The hack that keeps on hacking. NBCnews.com is reporting that the perpetrators of the hack gained access to the email of the head of the Department of Homeland Security and members of the cybersecurity team that's supposed to be guarding this nation from hacks such as this. This is what happens when the government contracts out its information technology infrastructure. The DHS went from hosting its own IT to hosting it in the cloud. Remember, there is no cloud. It's just other people's computers. Next from CNBC.com, Apple's annual Worldwide Developers Conference, known as WWDC, will take place on June 7th of this year. As usual, we'll most likely see previews of new releases of the operating systems MacOS, iOS, WatchOS, and Apple TV. And yeah, we just might see some hardware announcement, but at this point, who knows? The conference will be virtual like last year's was because of, uh, you know, COVID. Speaking of COVID, Google has pulled out of this year's Mobile World Congress, MWC, according to The verge.com Last year, as you remember, they tried to stage a live event, but all the big Western tech firms and many Eastern ones declined to go, forcing the cancellation of the conference. The same seems to be happening this year, and in my opinion, it's only a matter of time before this year's MWC meets the same fate. How are these conferences and similar events going to be staged in the future? Well, the next item might just answer that. Along with my home state announcing the Digital Excelsior Vaccination Pass, the IATA, a trade group for the World's Airlines, announced that their members are releasing travel pass. Another example of a digital record for your vaccine status. This story is coming from Engadget.com. Now, isn't this great? No! Hey, why doesn't the federal government just issue a digital vaccine passport? I mean, we wouldn't have to have all these separate passes. Hold on there. Doesn't this violate our health privacy rights? Well, of course it does. But that won't stop the government with its new partners in industry. From implementing a digital passport. Don't want to take one of the vaccines that I'll remind you are not FDA approved and are still classified as experimental? No! They've only gotten emergency use approval. That's the reason why the government is not making the vaccine mandatory, even for members of the armed forces who are vaccinated so much so often they feel like human pincushions. So, the way to force you to get vaccinated is to take away your right to travel attend events, and so on. Then, when you're used to having a digital passport, we'll move on to the digital dollar. Then go on to digital citizenship and a whole host of initiatives whose goal is to strip you of your privacy while at the same time gaining complete control over your life. Remember "bill Back Better and the Great Reset? That's the slogan of the globalists. This is an example of one of the many things meant when you hear those slogans. From The TheVerge.com, Ubiquity is accused of covering up catastrophic data breach, and it's not denying it. Ubiquity is a prosumer manufacturer of routers founded by an ex-Apple employee, I believe. The company's reputation is grounded on the product's security and manageability. Before settling on the TP-Link Deco M9 Plus Mesh System, I had a good look at Ubiquity's offerings because of that reputation. I didn't pull the trigger on any of their products because I found them too expensive for my old fort sensibilities. What appears to have happened is back in January, users of the company's gear received an email saying Ubiquity had suffered a minor breach concerning a third-party cloud service. The email went on to say that everything was under control, so there was no need to worry. They then suggested you change your password." Since that time, a whistleblower from within the company has come forward saying the hack was much worse than the company was reporting and that Ubiquity itself was breached. The hackers were able to get control over the company's uh, AWS account, which is Amazon's cloud service, because Ubiquity left root admin logins on a LastPass account. The article doesn't state how the hackers were able to penetrate the LastPass account. What this means is that the hackers had complete control over the networking equipment that customers of Ubiquity have because of the fairly new requirement of setting up a cloud account with the company to be able to control their equipment. Are you seeing a common thread here regarding all these major hacks? It's the cloud services everyone is rushing into, including governments around the world, that's getting hacked. After the whistleblower came forward, Ubiquity sent out another email assuring its customers that everything was still under control, while at the same time not denying any revelations the whistleblower made everyone aware of. You know, uh, instead of just suggesting that their customers change their password, they should have made it mandatory by resetting them. So in my opinion, there goes Ubiquity's solid reputation, and it makes me glad I didn't purchase any of their gear. And with this movement to the cloud, expect many more of these kind of hacks. While the cloud does save you money and make accessing data more convenient, remember, you always pay for convenience. And finally, 9 to googlecom is reporting that the next batch of Google hardware will feature the company's own processors. Well, in reality, they have partnered with Samsung to design chips based on Sammy's Exynos chip design. This is a good move as Apple has proved that hardware-slash-software integration beats pure hardware power every time. Perhaps with this new in-house designed hardware combined with the unreleased Fuchsia mobile operating system, we'll see a true competitor to Apple iOS. Either way, Apple does, and the industry follows. tech i'm using my series 6 apple watch is still going strong but i'm still having problems with the hand washing timer it really does have a mind of its own after the last software update i'll be washing my hands and i can see the small icon appear at the top indicating that the watch knows i'm washing my hands but the actual countdown timer fails to show up After I finish washing my hands, no matter the length of time, the timer will flash on the display and quickly count down to zero. I mean, it's not a big deal, but it really is really, really irritating. My Aura smart ring is also performing well. The company updates the firmware regularly, and the number of sensors and information they give that's packed into this small piece of hardware still amazes me. I still prefer the form factor of my now-defunct Motive ring, but that smart ring didn't monitor half the things that the Aura does. I'm still enjoying using it. (music) Lastly, I just received a firmware update for my Philips Sonicare toothbrush. What a world we live in. Entertainment news. Well, this week there's still not much to report on. Personally, I watched the first episode of the new season of City on a Hill and was kind of disappointed. It was slow moving and had no parts that jumped out at me. Hopefully they're just setting things up for the rest of the season. I also watched Godzilla vs. King Kong or King Kong vs. Godzilla, I forget which way it goes. It was entertaining and the effects look great, but this genre isn't my cup of tea. As far as Hollyweird goes, what well, it seems to be going on there is them attempting to cancel each other on social media, which should be called anti-social media. Oh, how original, right? Based on the experiences I've had with it, what do you think about social media? Podcast news. It's been quiet on the podcasting front too lately. The news front anyway. So first up from RadioInc.com. Libsyn has announced the acquisition of AdvertiseCast, an ad marketing company, for the tidy sum of $30 million. They also announced funding of $25 million from its investors. Hmm. Combine this with the recent purchase of Auxbus, a turnkey podcast service, and you can see what direction the company is attempting to go. I've also heard of a beta release of their website, which appears to be a major redesign. I'd uh, guess they're trying to be the equivalent of Anchor.fm, but unlike Anchor, they'll be a paid service, not free. It might be too late as they keep bleeding many of the popular podcasts they host, along with just regular podcasts who are fleeing in record numbers to Anchor.fm. Now, if Libsyn next buys an independent podcast studio, that would be very interesting. A headline from CNBC.com reads, Spotify jumps into the hot live audio trend with the acquisition of Clubhouse rival Betty Labs. It seems everyone wants in on the Clubhouse phenomena. it seems. At this rate, Clubhouse will be dead before it comes out of beta. Spotify hinted that the live audio features will be baked into Anchor.fm. Well, I've got to say it. Spotify refuses to be left behind in the world of audio. The company has stated they aspire to be the place to go for all audio formats, and I think they're going to do it. Radio.com has rebranded itself to Odyssey. I checked out the new app, and I I can say it's much better than the old one. It looks better, is less cluttered, and has a dedicated tab for podcasts. To celebrate, Odyssey has released all episodes of two new podcasts produced by their own Pineapple Street Studios. One is called My Fugitive, which from what I've heard listening to it so far is just more progressive crap defending the rights of the 70s, along with the destruction of property. The other show is called Stay Away from Matthew McGill, which from the series trailer will be a much more entertaining listen Well, for me at least, but I do recommend checking this app out. It was a pretty good upgrade. Time for my rant. I have a coworker whose routine is to sit down at his desk, log on to his computer, point his browser to CNN.com and watch all the videos they have posted that day. Sometime later in the day, he'll amble up to my workstation and regurgitate all he's heard from CNN as if it's gospel. I wish I could say it's a generational thing, but this man is 69 years old, and like me, he's the product of the Catholic parochial school system, though he made it to the college level while I just made it a little bit past grade school. My experience within the Catholic school system was not pleasant for me, but I'm not going to talk about that now. Maybe at a later time. What that system did do for me, though, was equip me with the ability to read, write, and actually think for myself. My writing ability is better than the newly minted college graduates that are my superiors today. While serving in the military, my supervisors would task me with writing position papers which, though I was the author, would wind its way up the chain of command bearing others' signatures on it. Again, a story for another day. Now getting back to my parroting co-worker, I've told him to not just take one source's word for it, but look to multiple sources. His reply was, oh, you mean like Fox News? Of course, referring to Fox News, again parroting the CNN line. I told him I hardly ever look at Fox News. I consider them as a part of the mainstream media like CNN. It's all about money which is paid by advertising and maybe a little bump up from our buddies at the MSS. I advised him to check out the numerous real reporting done by independent journalists and then form his own opinion, not the agenda-driven conclusion these big for-profit organizations feed you. You can find them by using various search engines. I advise you to do the same. Well, my coworker has yet to take my advice and I doubt he ever will his loss. Or maybe he's happier that way. Who knows? Episode 73 is rapidly concluding. Happy Easter, if you celebrate it. And if you don't, well, happy Easter to you anyway. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. And I hope you found it worthwhile. You can always contact me at OFNTpodcasts at gmail.com if you are so inclined. Tell me what you like and what you disliked about the show. I'd love hearing from you. So be safe. And I'll see you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. How about you get ready to spend some time with your family, and you can start by getting off my lawn. I'm out. I'll see you next week. Take care.